0: Hi, I'm Christy Hurt, the founder of The CoLab, which is a member-led, inclusive, global networking community for fashion, beauty, wellness, retail, and consumer luxury professionals. Every week, two members interview each other, so you'll get to hear two different stories. I hope you'll learn from these stories, listen to them, share them, and join us and tell your own story. Hi, everyone. This is Kelly Latcham from SEZZLE, where I lead at Fashion Partnerships for the Buy Now, Pay Later space. I am interviewing Anya Tyson today. She is a business development consultant with a focus on sustainability and culture, who is based in New York. Anya, it's so, glad, or so great to have you here today.
1: Yes, thank you. So good to join you.
0: So Anya, can you tell a little bit about yourself and uh, where you're from?
1: Yeah, so um, I'm from New York. I, as you very succinctly put, I'm a business development consultant and actually relatively new to that field as well. I just recently left my full-time position to consult full-time, which has been a really big change, um, but one that I'm really excited about. And I was so glad to be asked by Chrissy to join the podcast and to interview you and to meet all of you guys. Um, and to talk a little bit more about career pivots.
0: Absolutely. And I know that that is a huge focus of today's conversation. Um, would love it if you could walk us through your career. How did you get started?
1: Yeah. So I uh, don't want to say that I got started by accident because <laughs> <laughs> um, I sort of always knew that I had wanted to work in fashion, but um, I started working, or I started by going to school at FIT uh, fashion Institute of Technology here in New York. When I first um, applied to join the school, I thought that I was going to be a fashion designer. Um, and then I actually ended up pivoting, <clears throat> I actually ended up pivoting in that school to the what was then the Fashion Merchandising Management Program. Um, and one of the most integral parts of my education was the fact that I had to pay my way through school, and thus I had to get a job uh, in order to go to school. I I went and started working for a really great company called Alberto Ferretti. It's an Italian designer, Um, and I started working in luxury retail. It was a really amazing experience, and it was really foundational to everything that I believe about community and customer experience and just the life cycle of fashion in general. Um, But while I was in college, I sort of got recruited from company to company. So from Alberta, Ferretti, I was recruited into Prada. Um, From Prada, I was recruited into Celine. And then from Celine, I was recruited into Marnie. And so I spent almost all of my college years um, working full time and going to school full time, specifically working in luxury fashion with like a very, uh, what I would say is high profile customer, but also with brands who had like a very... um, the public facing persona in a time where there wasn't so much separation between church and state. So for instance, we had, frequent visits at Prada by Connie Darrow, who was like this powerhouse business development slash uh, visual merchandiser who had been recruited by the Prada family, uh, you know, in order to turn around their business. She had come from Barney's and, you know, being even in the vicinity of her was always very exciting. Um, You know, and then similarly, all of the celebrity dressing would happen in our stores. And the same thing was true for Marnie. So there was a lot of sort of um, you know, touch that you wouldn't necessarily receive or expect within the luxury fashion world today. And this is embarrassingly longer ago than I will state on this podcast.
0: <laughs> well, that's it. So then tell me a little bit then what uh, we can get into the career pivot. I I'd love to hear too, just having that amazing background in luxury, kind of what spurred this, this move to kind of go out on your own and, and, um, Really also, too, with a focus on sustainability and culture.
1: Yeah. Well, so <clears throat> my um, first career, my first real career move was, in fact, a pivot. <laughs> I had been working for Marni, And at the time, they had a program where the top salesperson would go to um, the, fas- the fashion presentation in Milan. Uh, I went to Milan and had like a full backstage experience with, you know, the, the team from the internal office. Um, the Marni compounds. All of my colleagues from around the world uh, got to sit in for the runway show, and that was like really my first, like sort of upper echelon experience of the inner workings of the fashion industry. And I came back um, from Milan, basically having decided that I wanted to transfer into corporate. I had been working on the on the retail side for my entire, you know, the whole time that I was in college, and so I came back and and tried to figure out how I could pivot into corporate. Um, and at the time, I had a client named Olivia Kim. Um, and the, uh, Olivia, at in that year, was the showroom director for opening ceremony. So it was a very new company. Nobody had really, not nobody, but very few people had heard of it. It was definitely not well-known on the international fashion scene. Um, I basically cold emailed Olivia and asked her for a job. And it just so happened to align with the job search that she was looking for right then too. So I was lucky enough to be brought into opening ceremony at a very early age um, in, in both for myself and also for the company. And then essentially be mentored like almost one-on-one by Olivia, who's to this day, one of the most brilliant people that I've ever gotten to work with or you know even sort of come into contact with. Um, that was one of the most like exciting experiences ever. And one of the, I guess, like biggest pivot moments was I was asked to come back to Marni, and I really had to make a decision whether I was going to stay with opening ceremony, which was like, felt very tenuous. It was very underground. Nobody in Italy had ever heard of them. And they sort of admonished me for that when we were in these conversations. Um, you know, if I was going to go with these, this new young upstart company, or if I was going to stay with this, you know, relatively old Uh, Italian luxury house and I chose to sort of dive into the deep end of the pool and work with opening ceremony and uh, that was really where sort of my business development uh, and massive sales experience for wholesale came into play and really where my love of nurturing small brands, small designers and small businesses came from was, you know, having the really amazing fortune of being able to work under Olivia and, you know, Carol and Umberto at the time were, you know, much more involved Uh, in the showroom and just being able to learn from them was an irreplaceable experience. Um,
0: Sounds incredible. And I think you might have to share with us your secret to writing a
1: great cold email. (laughs) You know, it's actually, I don't know if I can share the secret, but it's something that I've held onto for this day, like till this day, I'm I find it really easy to talk to people. And I think that part of the reason is because, um, I, I you have to have a business case for reaching out to someone. There has to be a value proposition and you can't like bombard them with information or go directly to asking them for favors. I've always been really big about uh, building community and honestly like helping people is one of my biggest passions is just being able to help. And so I think when you reach out in earnest and you're clear with people and you know exactly what you need or want or want to help with, people tend to respond more to honesty and to straightforwardness. And that's like the only clue that I could possibly offer.
0: <laughs> but in- invaluable, because I-, I think that just your approach to it, I, I-, I think is-, is something that you- sometimes people struggle with it. So yeah. I-, I think that's fantastic advice. Ah, thanks. <laughs>
1: and-, and then what was your, your next step after that? So I was really lucky to then continue on with a brand that I had launched while I was at opening ceremony. Um, It was called Suno. It's since closed its doors, but it was a really amazing brand to be a part of. Um, It was Max Osterweiss and Erin Beatty. And they essentially had this concept for a line, a women's uh, collection that was produced in Kenya out of vintage conga. So actually out of Max's vintage conga collection. And they managed to develop that into like a full-fledged ready-to-wear collection with offshoots of jewelry and accessories. Um, And I had helped them launch the collection while I was at the showroom. And at that point, I went in-house for them to build out their e-commerce Um, and Kelly, I really connected with (laughs) what you had said earlier about, uh, you know, when, when, when we did our other podcast about, uh, you know, the idea of not being able to do something, because that was definitely not something that I had ever done before. I had not built e-commerce. I definitely have a knack for technology and for computer programming and that sort of thing, but it's not something that I had run before. So going into that job, I was kind of like, wait, can I do this?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was going to add, what was that experience like? Did you kind of seek outside resources would love to hear. Yeah, so
1: um you know with any of those things and even when I had first gone into wholesale, I remember being really intimidated um going to my interview with Olivia Kim. Um, she asked me how good I was at Excel, and I was like, "Oh, I'm great at Excel." And meanwhile, I, I think I'd used it like once before in my entire <laughs> life, and I probably failed at it really badly. But I went home and borrowed my boyfriend's business school uh, Microsoft Suite textbook, basically, and read the entire thing. And so, by the time that I started the job, I was fully competent in Excel. And I, so, I think the thing is, is you know, if you can walk into things with confidence, not necessarily having the skill set that you need already, but you're resourceful and you're hardworking and you're able to basically live up to your word, um, it, anything is really possible. And so when I went to go work with Suno, I definitely sought the outside help of people who had built websites at the time, it was you know 10 years ago, so obviously, the web world was very different. I think it was like a year into my job that Instagram had launched, like it was a very, very different landscape. So being able to be a part of that in a very organic way from the jump was really exciting. Um, especially for a brand that I loved so much. The storytelling was wonderful. The quality was wonderful. I loved working with those people. um, And it was a really lovely family to be a part of. Um, And so I helped them with that for a long time. And, you know, uh, some other things as well, like building out internal wholesale and, you know, starting to tell more digital storytelling and doing a little bit of like uh, production assistance and things like that. And again, you know, going back to our conversation of wearing multiple hats And um, then I was approached by this really amazing consultancy called Launch Collective, who wanted to open a wholesale showroom, primarily uh, targeted towards women's fashion. And so I was recruited into the role of opening a um, showroom for them. It's a really amazing experience. Launch Collective is a business consultancy that basically aims to plug in all of the voids that are left in new companies. So when you're launching a brand um, and you have absolutely no idea how to like produce and market the amazing designs that you have created, they will fill in all of those voids for you from finances to you know pitching to being those people that are speaking to JP Morgan for you, or, you know, <laughs> all of those, those sorts of things. And uh, so they basically wanted to bring a wholesale offering to market. So that would be a little bit more of a holistic representation of a brand and grow, not necessarily less aggressively, but in a more sustainable way. And when I say sustainable, I don't mean like no plastic as much as I mean the making the case for the business to be around in five or 10 or 20 years. Um, and so there I had the like irreplaceable experience of working with Shira Carmi. Um, Shira is now the president of Joseph Altazara. Uh, or sorry, of Altazara. Um, she's also been the president of Mansur Gavriel. She's worked with a number of really amazing brands, um, mainly based in New York, but really around the world, uh, just as a business development leader, you know, the, the person who turns your company into a real company. And working with her through those years was absolutely enlightening. She's such an amazing leader and also really inspired, obviously, everyone in the organization to sort of drive things a little bit harder. Um, so think that was that was definitely an exceptional experience. Um, And then in the meantime, I became acquainted with this really amazing girl called Aurora James. And I don't mean to be reductive, but at the time we were both quite young. So (laughs) Um, she is now an amazing woman. She was an amazing girl. And she had just launched a collection called Brother Vellies that she was running from her living room in bed Like all of her production that was coming from Africa and was delivering into her living room and that's where she was distributing from. And so um, I got to sort of like be along with Aurora on the ride through CFDA Vogue Fashion Fund, which is something that a lot of the other designers that I had represented had gone through. It had been Pamela Love and Patrick Urvel and Ryan Roche and Tanya Taylor, all brands that I had represented before that had gone through that process. Um, So it was really amazing to be able to sort of be uh, there with Aurora while that was happening for her as well. And then I came in-house for her to basically... I'm still not 100% sure that I can confine the role that I had with her to just one thing. Um, But it was, you know, primarily operations, sales, production, and just sort of the business end of things. Because obviously, there is an enormous creative burden on the person who uh, founded that brand to be able to keep things moving into the future. And I worked with Aurora for a few years, Um, you know, again, just through some really interesting developments through having just won the Vogue Fashion Fund to being inducted into the CFDA incubator, um, you know, going through some political turmoil in Africa where the production was happening. And when I I say that, uh, it's multiple points within Africa that we're experiencing Uh, political unrest at the same time that affected lots of, you know, the people that we were working with. And that was something to have to negotiate and explain to retailers, which is much more challenging than it sounds. And um, was just so grateful for the experience of working with this very singular entrepreneur uh, who was doing, you know, as, as sustainable and ethical production as possible in this really remarkable brand. And it inspired me actually to pivot even further into sustainability um, so for the last few years, before I uh, ventured out on my own as a consultant, I'd been working with this fantastic company called TIPA. Uh, they are set to reduce or replace all of the flexible plastic in the world. And so my role was very much like your role at Cecil, Kelly, um, starting fashion partnerships within their organization. So I would be the persons going out to fashion brands and helping explain to them how they would be able to reduce, their, reduce or replace their plastic. Uh, in, the, in their supply chain, which was really amazing, um, I was able to work with I think a hundred brands in the time that I was with them. Um, it's a really exciting thing to talk about. It's a really nice conversation to have when you're like, "I'm going to tell you how to change the world." <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And so I loved my time with them, and I think um, you know the biggest the biggest inspiration for me was you know sort of to dive deeper into that world and gather up as much sustainability wherewithal and experience as I could based on what I had done before, which was very focused on sustainability and ethical production, um, so that I could go off on my own and be able to help more companies in a much more uh, in-touch way than just talking about plastic waste, because obviously the problem is much bigger than just plastic waste in our industry.
0: Right. And I, and I guess I, I apologize if I'm sure you've been at or asked this question numerous times, but What was that point, that that pivotal moment, where you thought this is the time I'm going out on my own, Um, or was there an aha moment?
1: You know, I so I have a small child. Um, I mean, I guess she's not small anymore. I have a seven and a half year old daughter, and when she was really small, it. I'm also a single mom, and so when she was really small, it was just me and her, and every time that she started going through like. A difficult time in her life. She was really struggling with staying awake or with eating at a certain time or going to sleep for a certain amount of hours or learning something or that sort of stuff. Um, I would get really frustrated with that moment and like really frustrated that like things weren't going smoothly until I realized, oh, something needs to change. And then it would be like, I would feed her something different or change her bedtime or change her nap time or whatever. And everything would magically be fine. <laughs> like, and the reason I mentioned that is because, you know, obviously, we've all had this really chaotic and unstable and like kind of scary year. And so obviously, everyone was feeling um I don't want to say scared, but really questioning like what it is that they are doing with their future. When you're logging into work at seven o'clock in the morning and then logging off at seven o'clock at night and still fielding like out of hours calls and being glued to a computer all day long, it's really, you, you want to be able to Uh, say why you're doing it. And so I think I had known for a while that I wanted to sort of branch out further than this deep dive into sustainability that I did. And I was just wondering what the time was. And then I found myself getting really frustrated and tired out and drained and kind of like, no, no, cranky. I hear you on that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I think when I finally relaxed and thought about it, I was like, oh, the time that I knew was going to come has come. And it's time for me to take, this leap. And then of course I went and got my aura read and I got a tarot reading and then I talked to a psychic and they all confirmed that
0: <laughs> I've done all of too. <laughs> You I should mean, always consult them before. Yeah, of
1: them. <laughs> <laughs> but so you know I've been sort of gathering up inspiration for a long time. I think it's really important to um, to keep just like a pocket change per like a virtual pocket change purse Full of the the reasons that you're doing things or the things that inspire you and I sort of like accumulated all of that and then was like okay this is the time and I did it this spring and um yeah it's been really wonderful so far I had planned to take a little bit of time off and I'm now not doing that because it's been too busy.
0: (laughs) Which is a great problem to have I mean it just kind of as you're walking through your career and all the experiences you've had and and kind of the the people that you've been able to work with as well you know I guess out of out of all of that what's been what's been your proudest moment of your career so far
1: um, that's such a hard question uh, I take a huge amount of pride in my work and so like every win no matter how small feels really big to me because I think you know I'm arguably maybe even too emotionally invested in the outcome. (laughs) Um, And I do work really hard and I really like people to see success. Um, So I've had a lot of proud moments. I've had a lot of moments where I was like, wow, this really paid off or I'm so happy that, you know, this has come through or any of those things. And I really mean there are some very small moments that made me very proud. Um, But I think, you know, the thing that I have the most pride for has been the opportunities you know i came into this with not i wouldn't say like low self-esteem but definitely like not a high level of confidence you know i was working and going to school full time in order to pay for my own college. I'm sure you can understand from having been in um, the internship program at Condé Nast, there are a lot of people who come into fashion who are like living off of somebody else's money for a very long time and are able Mm -hmm. to take their time building their career and saying no to different opportunities. And um, you know, I was in a much more sort of scarcity mentality when I first started my career which changed the decisions that I made. And I think that the thing that I'm the proudest of is as I've become older, I've, you know, had all of these experiences, traveled around the world, become a mom, had the amazing opportunity to have mentorship or experience with like, honestly, some of the most luminary people in our industry. Um, The thing that I'm the most proud of is that I've been able to grow within that and, Become a more confident person, or become more aware of and and the sort of understanding of um, what I deserve, deserve, and what I can ask for. Uh, which is definitely not something that I came into this industry with. <laughs> it's been a learning process.
0: <laughs> just amazing to see the growth and, and trajectory. And um, kudos for you to you for um, learning Excel as quickly as you did. Hey, That's no easy feat. <laughs> The world of pivot tables and VLOOKUPs is not exactly the most fun. (laughs) but could be, depending on what function you're in? Well, and then I I guess too. You know, with that said, as you look back on your career, is there anything that you would do differently?
1: Um, Not necessarily. I think that I am still trying to figure out why I got to work with so many amazing people. (laughs) It's something that I think about. Every day, I think about this for a lot of different facets of my life and I think that your life and career are always sort of inextricably intertwined no matter how much you try to pull them apart. And I'm still really trying to figure out why I've had all of these really singular opportunities and why I've gotten to work with all these really amazing people. And I I still don't have the answer for that. Like, I certainly hope that it continues on as a trend, (laughs) but um, but I, I would love to figure that out eventually or, you know, figure out how, what the formula is so that I can help bring more people into that model. Because I do think that there is something very special about working with amazing mentors that not a lot of people get to have that experience Um, And it's probably about 100% of what I would credit my career so far, to.
0: And that's amazing, too. And just being able to kind of think through how can you unlock those possibilities that you had um, for other people down the road? Yeah. And then can you share with us um, what's next?
1: Yeah, well, you know, so I've only just begun um, full-time consulting, which is really exciting for me. Um, I think that one of the things that I'm looking to do is very selectively work on business development projects that I feel really passionate about. Um, there's a large number of them come to find that that I'd like to jump into immediately, um, and I'm trying to do so over the summer. And I think that, you know, ultimately... What I would like to do and what I've always really wanted to do in my career is work more closely with brands across a wider range of direction and functionality um, so that I can bring sort of this like wealth of experience and problem solving and strategy around all the things that I've done. Um, in a very, like, portable way into their own businesses. Uh, You know, it doesn't have to necessarily be fashion either because I think at the end of the day, the biggest thread is storytelling. And I think that you probably feel the same way, Kelly, from what I understand about your experience and telling that story and being able to relay it to the customer and build that community around, you know, the thing that you've produced with sustainability and ethics and culture in mind is ultimately the thing that I'm the most interested in working on. And I hope that that's, it's been true, like whether or not I realized it for the last 18 years of my career, it's been true this whole time. And I would love for that to continue being true, like until I retire in the south of France.
0: <laughs> no, me too. Yeah. I know See that. See you there. Exactly. Exactly. You'll probably beat me to it, but it's going a spot. <laughs> well, this has been an amazing conversation. I have just so much enjoyed hearing about your career and and your pivot pivots plural um, <laughs> and, and just excited to see you know what you continue to do in your in your newest venture. So Anya, thank you so much for for being part of the conversation. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed interviewing to you today and um, again excited to, to see what's next for you. Thank you so
1: much Kelly. I feel the same for you. Thanks for listening to the CoLab Career Stories. Follow us on social media at Join the Collab, and join us so you can tell your story.